A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are a sub-science here to make things make sense. Today, we are talking about updates for the vaccines we are all waiting for for COVID-19. We got Moderna. We got Pfizer fighting it out to be the first ones in our arms. And we're also going to talk about when it comes to conservatives or liberals, how do our brains sort of think around getting a vaccine? Wowza. Um, I feel like often I want to avoid COVID because it can be so depressing. But this at least has some hope, some uplifting news. That's good. <laughs> Girl, put your records on. <laughs> I was trying think to think of. That? I was trying to sing a hopeful song, and I thought of one, and that came out, and that wasn't the one I was trying to think. Oh, what were you trying to think? Of? I was trying to say. It's kind of oh, beautiful that that's what came into your mind. Um, what I wanted was this is my fight song. <laughs> Give me my vax song. <laughs> uh, that's an uplifting song, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't know what's that song from. Uh, fight like- song. It's from like. I don't know, two or three years ago when we were like in the Trump presidency and like needing uplifting. And it was sort of a one hit wonder, I think, by someone just being like, this you, is for them. Nah. It was like Olympic energy. <laughs> okay, great. Good to know. Um, happy Friday to us. Happy Wednesday to everybody else. <laughs> uh, if you are in Ontario or actually specifically Toronto, you're locked down starting Monday. Yeah, we, we just found just that out. We just found out moments before recording this breaking news um so we'll see how hopefully everyone's doing well if you're in full lockdown i know different cities across america have gone through different scenarios i think la has different curfews they're trying they don't want to lock down but yeah so toronto is locking down everything except essential services i believe right yeah, we'll I mean, it out. doesn't affect our life because we don't leave our home, <laughs> but uh, it still has like a vibe to it, I guess. Yeah, the city will change because we go for walks every night and, and see people like on outdoor patios and that sort of thing like that will now just be done. Not done forever, but for now. I know we haven't done. I haven't gone. To, we haven't gone to a patio. Whenever I see people at a patio, I go, oh, that looks nice. Yeah, and, and most of the time when it's it. out front on the sidewalk, I'm like, it doesn't, it seems pretty safe. I mean, obviously, you're still interacting with dishes and touching and glasses and all those kind of things. But, but in general, at least the circulation of the air. Yeah, we are, pre- it's pretty, we're pretty confident, at least with the pre journals that I read every, I just like read about this stuff all the time. It's so scary. But we're pretty confident that it's like very much uh, aerosols that you need to be worried about indoor spaces as opposed to surfaces. Like no need to wash the cucumbers and <laughs> the cucumbers in the dishwasher. Anymore. We really did that at the beginning of the pandemic. We were really like really cleaning all of our groceries. Like wiping down our Miss Vicky bag of chips. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I think what Miss Vicky's is a life. Canadian brand as well. I don't think that's American. Did you know that they found Miss Vi- they found glass in the oh, Miss yeah. Vicky's salt and vinegar? And did you know I was like, that's not going to stop me from eating them. They're so good. Oh, girl, this guy's <laughs> going to munch, munch down on glass if we can get some Miss Vicky's in his system. 
If it means they're discounted, sure, I'll take them. That's truly disturbing. But I must say, I found it very weird because I'm like, Miss Vicky's already tastes kind of like there's glass in it. Yeah, like I usually end up being like, my tongue hurts and my throat hurts after I eat it. Because it's so salty and vinegary. I wake up hungover. (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too. Like anytime I eat chips at this age, at this age, girl, anything I eat makes me hungover. (laughs) Anything with too much salt and I can tell the next morning. The only thing that doesn't give me a hangover is like lentils. Which I made last night. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm on a kick of like um, soaking legumes because i didn't really know that until recently that you don't have to buy them canned i mean no i knew you could buy them dry i have used like dried lentils in stews but i've never just like soaked chickpeas and just soaked lentils and and then like or just cooked them raw without anything else and then eaten them so i'm into that now and i'm farting life is exciting (laughs) i'm farting all the time from all of this but you're not actually last night because it was like a heavy legume meal. I actually was like uncomfortable. My digestion wasn't great. Oh, really? The sulfur was coming out? Or I just felt... It could have been something else. But I was like, oh, I did... I had... It was like chickpeas and uh, lentils and quinoa. And I don't know. I just felt like I... Every, it was very healthy. But then I was like, it's definitely recruiting a lot. Whenever I eat healthy, I fart so much. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did we learn this week? Uh, okay, so I have something that's like classic 2020 energy that I learned this week, and it is that murder hornets are back. Oh, girl, I'm throwing this <laughs> microphone down, picking my drink up, and walking out of here with a briefcase saying, see ya. Why? Because, okay, what? We're, we're done with mur- murder hornets. No, I'm going to so tell you what they're called. Okay, so I'm going to, if you forgot about them, they're basically that invasive giant hornet species. Uh, it's native to Asia. And they have potentially deadly stings. So they not only kill other bees, they like decapitate them. 30 to 50 people in Japan alone die every year. So that's the summary of what they were. Um, And you might remember earlier in the year, it was like they had been found in the United States for the first time ever. They crossed the ocean. Sorry, 30 to 50 people die in Japan every year? From these bees. I did not know that. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of thought like this whole time I was like, oh, like clickbait title but like I, that actually is so i have to scary. be honest i don't know if it's it, those 30 to 50 people could have allergies they could have okay. you know there could be uh, they're allergic con- to murder condi- hornets. <laughs> different conditions are, they may exist um okay. so basically <laughs> since they found those hornets they have since then earlier in the year been trying to find Mm-hmm. more trying to find their nest trying to figure out like are they oh. going to proliferate in america so this is in washington oh state God. so there is a research center out there that's been looking into this and they finally found the first murder hornet nest in the u.s oh fun in it, you. there was 500 hornets developing in various stages <laughs> like obviously some were like you know larvae pupa or whatever um <laughs> there were almost 200 queen hornets that were either born already or growing queen slave mama <laughs> yes. boots the house down daddy queen slave so what that means is every one of those queens has the potential to create her own nest uh, uh they basically leave the nest they mate they hibernate and reproduce the following spring so the scary part is okay that's potentially 200 more or less and then like many more bees after that or uh hornets rather uh so yeah the the good thing is that these what? researchers killed it 
kill, killed all what? of them. What? Are you serious? Yeah, I don't know which if that's feels good. Like, well, Free Willy energy. Species. Save the save the murder <laughs> hornets. I don't know. Well, because they're like these hornets destroy other bees, including honeybees yeah, and things true. that are really important we, yeah. in our ecosystem that it will be like you know thrown out of order. And they're not if suddenly a new species comes in and just starts killing them all. And they're not native to the Americas. Exactly. I'm so it's so that's like, why okay. it's like they they feel that they have the right to extinguish. They murdered the murder hornets. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> they should make a movie about that. The discovery and the murder of it. Or maybe just a 10 minute long YouTube video. I don't know. The capacity of this <laughs> is like, for a narrative. You know, a minute long TikTok. Yeah, a minute long TikTok. Stage. At this point, our brains. Actually, maybe a 30 second reel. It's like, here we are making an hour long podcast. Yeah. Like, who in the <laughs> right here? mind has the intellectual capacity to listen to anything for an hour these days let alone read a book okay um what'd you learn i learned i'm i just finished this book called fashionopolis chef's kiss great book trying to figure out how do you live on this earth and wear clothing without feeling bad about yourself turns out very very challenging (laughs) very 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 challenging shop we vowed to shop secondhand since the beginning of this year it's a great place to start except only recently greg realized he was like wait can I not get underwear secondhand? And I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, that's so true. I haven't had to rebuy underwear, but I do famously have holes in all my underwear and they coming probably up. need new ones. Okay. I think that's a fair thing that you can buy firsthand. So anthropologists think that at any given moment, half the world's population is wearing jeans. We're both wearing jeans. Oh my God. Look at this case study. Did you know that you were I did not plan that. Okay. And I actually hate jeans now that I've read this book. <laughs> oh no. And like the fact that they're on my body, I'm looking at them and I'm like, I hate you. Okay. Why? But I got these second hand. AKA my friend gave them to me. But, um, <laughs> um, so 800,000 jeans are created a day in just one tiny part of China called Zintang. That's just like one example of the excessive amount of jeans that are just made. It takes 18,000 liters of water to make one pair of jeans. Oh my gosh. Um, the average American owns seven pairs. So one for every day next to socks and underwear jeans, like just denim jeans are the most popular um, garment. Isn't that surprising? Next to what? Sorry. Socks. socks. They, they loop socks and underwear together, assuming they're made of like cotton or whatever. But okay. then it's denim jeans as the third most popular Whoa. garment. So it's I, like, that's actually crazy in the whole world, in the whole world. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that weird? How did that come to be? And yeah, jeans aren't, jeans are a relatively like recent. <laughs> exactly. I think it's just, I think it just has to do with like the fact that it's just like a staple. I think people really do buy them more than I think we realize. Like I don't mm. have that many jeans, but I just think I it's something. Pair, that, yeah. I have other many pairs of pants, but I only have one pair of jeans. And t-shirts, I think are come in a variety of materials. So it like can like okay. break up the like way that you define them. This is denim sure. jeans. Wow. And yeah, so I really, it's just like you can read more about what actually the impact this is on the world but it is pretty devastating. Would you recommend the book Fashionopolis? I would recommend the book. It's um I would say the first quarter of it is sort of talking about like this type of thing more of like the scientific statistic angles, the devastation of like what we've done to countries like Bangladesh just to try and get cheap clothing. The latter, most of it's actually about alternatives and it's all really based like American centric about like making mycelium bags, like bags out of mushrooms Mm. and natural dyes, which are really interesting. So it gives a lot of tangible 
solutions, which I like, but it is very up in the air, I think, right now. Like a lot of the things that it's suggesting that we do, like I've looked into and like tried to, like I bought that mushroom bag and they're like, they don't deliver them. They haven't even started to like deliver them. Oh, like a company is like in pre-production? Yeah. And a lot of it is about these really interesting fabrics, but like uh, Stella McCartney is going to start using it next year. Like it's like, it's all very fascinating, but it's not feeling that tangible right now. But I really do think that like, one thing I really took away is that we all have to change the way that we shop. A lot of people are talking about this. We need to be buying less at a higher quality, which does mean we need to be paying more for our products, uh, which is something that I think that everyone can just start to like maybe shift the way that they talk. It's like, oh, I got this for cheap. Like, how much did you buy that? Right. It was on sale. Like that way, when we think about clothing, especially, we need to reframe to buy higher quality products made maybe still in Bangladesh. That's really important. But with uh, help like holding companies uh, to paying those workers more right. to actually giving them the rights to be in buildings that are made properly. Mm-hmm. That's going to mean as a consumer, you're going to have to pay more slash right shoring is what it's called when you like bring back uh, industries to Canada or to America or to Europe or to China or to wherever you actually live, having things being made there you're, are going to cost more. So that was like right. one thing I would say is just like, we should probably stop boasting about how, cheap we got products which i do find is an interesting thing that's kind of clicked for me like i I don't know it's just like something people brag about kind of it's such human nature i think it feels good to get a deal and even like that's why couponing is so popular that's why having you know what i mean even when i go to the grocery store there's they know if they put like it's on discount even if it was marked up and now it's on discount it's the same price as it was before it feels like you kind of won something yeah so i think they they being, uh, you know, corporations or people who are selling products are very aware of this and they want to sell more products. And so that's what they do. Yeah. I will say anecdotally, and I'm sure other people, this is a challenge is that I do agree that clothes that I've bought that were cheaper tend to last not as long, but there's the few times that I have bought something. Sorry, I've bought more expensive things, but a couple times I bought expensive things and then they still broke. And then it, that lives in my head. What, what were they? Just like whether it be like shirts, like I I bought a couple of nice shirts and then it like a sweater will like fray and like the um, what do you call it? like the stitching opens up and I'm like, ah, oh, I spent so much on this and now it's broken that like it I just I know that's probably less common. I think when you spend more, you're typically getting better quality. Of course, there's like scales and all companies are different, but I imagine for other people as well that might be that like weird bias. What do you call that when it's just like confirmation yeah, bias? Yeah, just a confirmation bias of thinking that or the risk is higher. And so people think if I spend less, even if it breaks, it's like not as big of a waste. But you're right. I there's ways that we can think around that. We should be working around that. That's interesting. I never thought of that. But yeah, that's true. Lots on that topic to come for the rest of our lives truly mm-hmm. until we figure it out because <laughs> jeans take so much water that like if we keep buying the way we do there won't be any more water so let alone just for jeans i'm like what about my esophagus and nourishing my body <laughs> okay study time study time study time, study time. oh so, my goodness good news everybody news. this is actually really exciting um we're obviously a little bit if this is coming out next week so this will be a little bit late most people have heard but there's some really great <laughs> news around covid19 vaccines around the efficacy of them around the timeline of them uh, gregory what do you think about this who knew who knew that on this podcast we'd be like yay pfizer big pharma 
<laughs> like it's so funny how many like Pfizer press releases I was like reading this week, like getting excited. I was like, I and, like rooting on the pharma company. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> deep down, I like do not like Pfizer. Um, okay, so yeah, we've got two uh, really effective vaccines. Three, if you include the Russian one, no offense, but uh, <laughs> they don't even really have final stage three information. But they're saying they're really good. Sputnik Five and EpiVac Corona from Russia. We're actually going to ignore them. Sorry to our Russian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so um one thing i just want to say is that in reading all of this there's i keep having to read about operation warp speed uh which is the name of the american government funding system for these vaccines and i'm just like what a horrible name what a horrible name for a country that is like rife with vaccine hesitancy issues i'm like you should have called it like operation gonna be thorough yes, like it's like so oh true. my god it's also such a like six-year-old boy Trump. title is Such that a yeah. yeah it's just like thinking about warp operation speed. warp speed is just like some dude who thought that was so cool and was like this is so epic but it's actually the lamest and ever. don't you think someone in the meeting would be like well what about the people who are worried about yeah, this going too fast rushed. yeah yeah mm-hmm. i'm so mad about that but i mean they did give a lot of money to both of uh, these vaccines um, so that's just something to know. Like if you're wondering where all this money came from, of course, also some came from Dolly Parton. LOL. She's probably happy about <laughs> yeah. that. Millie, she spent, she has, she has so much money, but she's basking in that one. <laughs> so they're both MRNA vaccines. So that's really interesting because these have never actually been inoculated into humans before prior to these, uh, even phase three trials. So they're, the fact that they're working so well is exciting for COVID-19, but it's also exciting just for the future of vaccines. Yeah, and just like scientists are so incredible and smart and that this process and pathway makes a lot of sense, just even learning it as someone who like loves cell biology. But someone had to think of this and figure out how to actually do it. But RNA does tons of things in your body. Do you remember like in like fourth year cell bio when they start to be like, okay, you thought RNA just did this, uh, mm. but it folds in on itself it and, it, and it does this. <laughs> and you're like, what? Like... RNA is complicated and fascinating and I love it. But essentially the way that this is working is that your RNA, it takes the instructions from the DNA within your cell. And then essentially it codes for proteins in the cytoplasm. Those proteins are then built within your body. Kind of is like the only reason you're alive. Like everything about your body is created through these um, RNAs. And so what these vaccines do is they're actually injecting the uh, SARS-CoV-2 RNA, like parts of it that code for the spike protein, which everyone has maybe seen, if you've seen the actual visual depiction of the virus, that spike protein is what your then immune system needs to bind to, to learn about, to build the immune response. So you're actually giving people the RNA to build the spike protein so that your immune system then sees them. Oh Oh my gosh, Ernie. Ernie loves RNA. (laughs) He's getting really excited about science. Uh, They're cheaper. They're easier to make. Um, That's part of the reason why this has all happened really fast. Like we've talked about vaccines before. It's not like you were giving the quote unquote dead virus. You're actually just giving, you know, part of the RNA. Mm -hmm. So it's it's all just kind of really cool. Yeah. So interesting and shocking to think that that's possible. Like, even as somebody who's taken many science and genetics courses and biochemistry, just knowing that we can insert things into a body that then goes deep 
into cell machinery and uses genetic code to build things so that the body learns how to fight things. It's I know. like That's really br- mind it's blowing. Mind blowing. <laughs> and it's also the reason why we actually like live That's long and don't have these horrible like we don't have polio. <laughs> like there's like so many benefits from it. And here we are about to come out of this. I mean, about to like we have to talk at the end about a realistic timeline. Going to co- the only way we're going to come out of this is through this specific type of scientific technology. So like it is mm-hmm. fascinating. And just like no, you cannot get the coronavirus or COVID nineteen from this vaccine. Like that's not how it works. Just because you're building the spike proteins doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're gonna like build the virus. Like all those like fears that you might have around this are not true. But what they were testing for was whether or not it could potentially make the disease worse mm-hmm. or whether or not you could get more sick, things like this. We have not seen that happening. In fact, we've now got these results that are all really very exciting about efficacy, which we're going to go through right now uh, to make us understand that not only do you not have to worry about the fact that like any of the false things you hear about vaccines all the time are not true. We're now seeing that it's actually working and here is why. So should we go through each one? Yeah, I think so. You kind of have like the stats of each one, right? Like why don't we talk about comparatively or you could just do one at a time. Just give us a summary of Pfizer. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Pfizer. Pfizer came, came earlier. Yeah, then, and then right? Moderna came and just like drop kicked them out of the picture <laughs> and was like, well, come on down here, babe. 94.5% accuracy. <laughs> Okay, well, spoiler. Okay, start with Pfizer. So Pfizer had 44,000 people split into two groups for their phase. Split into two? Split into two. (laughs) One's a placebo. A placebo group, which, oh, sorry, Hans, you only got salt water. (laughs) Isn't that so sad? They're actually saying that because they're so effective, they feel like they should give those people now the actual, like, vaccine. That is also, yeah, that you would be walking around. like That would suck. Because then are you expected to walk around normally without masks? I mean, obviously. No, what? No, you live your life normally. Okay, just normal. Yeah, (laughs) and there's enough, um, like, disease on this planet currently that they've got these results. Lots of people, okay. And the doctor also, or... uh, nurse or whoever's inoculating you also doesn't know yeah i love that that's kind of interesting because like, of course because of course if you were giving like maybe the nurse giving you the wrong one would have a face like i'm so sorry yeah i'm totally. literally just giving you salt water <laughs> like and they would maybe like figure it out um so one group gets the actual rna pfizer vaccine the other group gets the placebo uh this was ages uh, that tw- is how italians say it, by the placebo with the tomato sauce um 12 years up to 85 years old. That's how many people were in it. I was like, 12 year old. That's really interesting. Well, I mean, of course, they've got to put it in the trial. What a brave young Greta we got on our hands there. <laughs> um, they, ha- uh, yeah, so they had 94 lab confirmed cases. So this is like after all this time of COVID 19. So these people just went and lived about their lives yeah. and then they were just like, let's find out who gets COVID. And 80 of the cases received the placebo. Whereas nine of the cases were from the vaccine group. Okay. So and that's so, why they come to the conclusion of that, like it's ninety percent efficacy yeah, because and, the ninety percent of people who got it were. Yeah, and no serious safety vote. concerns. Uh and then the other thing is like they're releasing this because they're so excited. It could go lower or higher because this trial will stop when they get hundred and sixty four. Confirmed COVID nineteen cases. Okay, so that is actually a benchmark they're trying to yes. reach because that's just a standard, maybe, or that's just that's like, just like I think that's like what, what they, they have set. As. Yeah, because Moderna had a different number. It's not. Okay. It's obviously something that so they, they probably just, just like set decided. their goals or like we will know 
they probably like statistically calculate like what is a good number to know. <laughs> yeah. Based on the population and how many people are actually getting COVID. Yeah. Like I assume way. Pfizer knows what they're doing. Um, <laughs> but this one has to be kept at minus 94 degrees Fahrenheit to be effective. That's one thing. What is that? Yeah. First of all, get over yourself, America. We need metric. No yeah. one understands what minus 94 is. Has anyone ever been in that temperature? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very cold. It's like dry ice cold. And that's a I big actually issue. think that. Is that colder than Celsius? There's a we I actually should know this. Well, I shouldn't because I only know metric. But there is a point at which Fahrenheit goes lower than Celsius. Like so, obviously, say like 30 degrees Celsius is like you know like 90 or 95 degrees Fahrenheit. But when you get, I think they cross at like minus 30. So yeah, like yeah. something like minus 30 yeah. Celsius is the same as minus 30 Fahrenheit. So and then wow. it shoots lower. And I'm like, it's such a weird. American system. exceptionalism is so funny. It's like, just <laughs> just like join us on this earth, please. Um, yeah. So that is a big issue. I really do think like the temperature. It's like, okay, a lot of this uh, world is hot. It's very hot and it's going to be hard mm -hmm. to get that to people. Also, you need two shots. So for example, Pfizer said it could have 50 million doses made by the end of 2020, but that would. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss actually only be for 25 million people because you need two shots right okay so for every Which vaccine like, that they can make that many people oh but that was at the, the end, end of 2020 oh, okay, okay yeah yeah gotcha. half for americans half for other people like places like canada uh working out to about 19 dollars and 50 american dollars cents per dose based on this warp okay. speed and they're not going to be charging americans apparently now you're going to feel what it's like to have free health care america <laughs> Oh, so because it was funded probably by American money. Yeah, this like, warp speed uh, is giving a lot of the money so to this like, one. you can't, this is free for us. Yeah, and a lot of uh, German money as well. So it's like Pfizer and BioNTech, which is a German company that did that one. Okay. So, so that was all really exciting. And then the people at Moderna, these catty little sly <laughs> little like, fools. Um, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, <laughs> there's definitely a gay PR, like a like bitchy ass <laughs> gay PR guy who's like, girl, we got to get in there. Like slams the books down. Like move over <laughs> Pfizer, hon. We got They're some like, data. We're rounding the number up. We're rounding the number we up. We got some data, hon. Okay. So Moderna comes and they say. They say, oh, we only got 30,000 participants. They okay, bury that under the rug. Less people. <laughs> it's not necessarily worse, but just good for us all to know. <laughs> Um, so their their vaccine is ninety four point five percent effective. So ninety five percent, ninety five participants of the thirty thousand got COVID nineteen. Ninety had the placebo, and then five had the vaccine. So again, and th theirs is only needs to be stored at minus four degrees Fahrenheit, which is actually important to understand. Mm. Another thing I wanted to say is that 
So you said minus four degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Okay. So Which seems way more reasonable. Yes. And it's actually really stable. They found that it was like, it could stay in a fridge for 24 hours and still yeah. be used. And I think I read it could even be out normal for 12 hours or something. Yeah. Is that at wrong? room temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously I, I, it was that. Yeah. 12, 12 hours at room temperature. Yes. Okay. 30 days. Uh, potentially uh, so that's amazing because that is yeah. a huge barrier for any vaccine is its transport how long it lasts if you know stores or places or doctors and hospitals are buying these how are they going to keep this many and what do they do where do they store them like they have to have facilities and a whole plan in order to oh my god I just burped <laughs> we are drinking again <laughs> <laughs> we're like last Cuts time out of the bag. <laughs> well if anyone's watching I just have this like pink drink by the way it's a cider or yeah this is what you got me imagine is it by the way salt water it's um Pachibo. it looks like a pink lemonade anyway back to moderna uh so essentially mrna vaccines are quite unstable so they're put in lip tiny lipid nanoparticles is how you get them okay. but that's part of the reason why there's a lot of talk about temperature because they're not the most like stable virus compared to like live attenuated viruses right. or the other ones that we've had. So th yeah, there is a really big push to understand and make sure that these things can stay effective in what temperature for how long, because that's going to be a big part of it. Um, and they think they can have 500 million to 1 billion doses by the end of 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah. 100 billion? 1 billion. Oh, okay. <laughs> 100 billion vaccines. I was like, why do they need that many? <laughs> One, and again, you need two. So 1 billion vaccines means Is 500 million people inoculated. But that's still amazing and so so these are just two of the companies there's still a lot of other and yeah who knows i bet there's a lot of pressure right now on a lot of other vaccine companies to start releasing data if they're not already planning to because they all a want to have the headlines they don't want to feel like they're behind but it's good to know and good to feel like okay having lots of different options is good especially in terms of distribution oh yeah that is yeah world. for sure we are gonna need i am like think picturing like 10 vaccines out there people are mm -hmm. maybe getting diverse ones like i think it's really going to be about what ends up being the most effective and most useful to which region right? yeah exactly and also i just think it's really important to know these are news releases these are not peer-reviewed mm -hmm. studies they are being really open like we just went through exactly what happened and we're assuming that's what happened and we hope that everything is truthful and not over sensationalized which i don't think it is but yeah. i'm just like it is a really important caveat to say that these are news releases like they're all really excited dr anthony fauci was expecting like 60 to 70 percent efficacy so the fact that it's 90 and 94.5 is like a huge deal really so they're obviously like we want you know to let people know and mm -hmm. start to like figure out how we you know, get these out to people, but they still need to be peer reviewed. And I also think it's just like, we like, how long does it last is still like does a question. What last? Like the immunity. Oh, true. Like there's still so you, much yeah. we don't know. But at least that would buy time. So for example, we obviously get flu shots every year because the flu is mutating and changing and every season they're trying to guesstimate what it will be. Mm -hmm. So there's a world where maybe the flu vaccine contains the COVID vaccine, the yearly vaccine that you would get just to be up to date with. Yeah, it, right? that's true. I've, I've um, heard that's like maybe what might be happening. Yeah. We all get I, them every year. So, I mean, for now, we just need something to like get us to the point where we can have life back to normal or at least as close as it can be back to normal. And then hopefully there's a system that gets put in place where healthcare uh, professionals figure out the best system if this va vaccine is needed on a regular basis. 
I do think though a realistic timeline for like you and I getting it in our arm as civilians, as not frontline workers, as not teachers, I think might still be like fall twenty twenty one. Is my is I know my guess. I think that too, but I it make I'm you know I'm more optimistic. I know I I honestly do think that's the timeline, but there's just that part of me that hopes like somehow all these vaccine companies start coming out with really great results and vaccines at Christmas. Ho ho yeah, ho! But at least you know that it's just hopeful. Hopefully it can. Hopefully this news can help a lot of people. I know it's going to be a hard winter. I think especially in the northern hemisphere. Obviously that's where we're having winter. Um. I think going into this, having that bit of hope can put people's minds to say, like, look, this is going to be tough, but at least we can kind of see a light see, at the end of the day. Stay the F home wearing ass. Yeah. Like, like we're, in the, we're in the home stretch for sure. That's what I really took away from this. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I can do this with an end in sight for sure. Yeah. And you know, like this is, it almost gives it more purpose to be like, let's make sure we continue our mask use, hand sanitizer, washing hands, because once we reach the vaccine, that's when we can, we, we can see it now. This is not just like forever. Oh my God, picture this. Okay. I'm pitching it for this year, but maybe it'll come out next year. It's going to be the best freaking Christmas movie ever. <laughs> it's literally called Chris Kringle's Christmas Miracle. That probably exists. <laughs> we all don't believe in Santa because we're adults, right? Or, uh, spoiler alert to okay, anyone. Wait, in the car. don't say that. Out well, loud. I don't know. Like, kids believe in Santa because they're Well, just because you don't believe doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean it's I not real. Believe. Exactly. Uh, okay, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> By the way, for children listening, Greg just doesn't believe, and that's why he's yeah, no, cool. That's why talking. I can't hear the bell in Polar Express. <laughs> I'm like a uh, Scrooge. I still hear it. So listen to this. <laughs> it's this Christmas. Uh, I was about to say September 25th. That's my birthday, actually. That's like I said. <gasps> we all wake up in the morning. We have had doubts about Santa, but laid out in front of us are vaccines. <laughs> oh my, we have to give to ourselves. <laughs> we have to give to ourselves. Santa's like, ho, ho, ho there. Take a little prick from Chris Kringle's brick and put it into your little arm. And there's like a little like um muffin thing beside it. And it's a, a what? A, a little muffin? muffin. I don't know. He's baked muffins or Mrs. Claus has. <laughs> and it's a Christmas miracle. And Santa exists. And Santa actually figured out the vaccine gives it to everyone. Wait, what are you talking about? Uh, it's started as a movie and then it turned into a real life yeah <laughs> so when would that movie come out um uh like you um, think that, that would be this christmas <laughs> or next because by next then then wouldn't we be like this didn't happen this i actually really don't think it's story. a movie i'm just actually like imagine santa was real and gave us all vaccines okay <laughs> okay should we take a break you are insane sure let's take a little break <laughs> And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> um, so basically, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a study that is not directly related to the vaccine. Okay. But it just came out and it was a review and a look at how conservatives and liberals view COVID-19 differently, which I think will come into relevance not only with and without the vaccine, but yeah, just broadly in this pandemic. Hmm. I, think. I thought I just came across and I wanted to share it. And I don't want to try and make this overly political. Like, obviously, like, we're very left-leaning people, but this isn't me trying to, Eat like, the rich. bash or anything. <laughs> I just mean it's interesting to learn about how different people think about different perspectives. And I'm sure there would be, like, this take is kind of specific to conservatives because um, political ideology has become one of the biggest predictors, especially in America, for how somebody perceives coronavirus as a threat. Hmm. So, and in saying that, uh, liberal-minded people tend to like believe coronavirus is a larger threat than conservative people. So I'm not trying to say anything weird about that. 
and let, I just want to talk about this from like the study's perspective. Hmm. So basically what they found while reviewing all these people and uh, understanding their uh, views on coronavirus and the pandemic is that conservatives are generally more sensitive to threats that are relatively high in agency, which I'd never thought about before. Relatively high in agency. So what that means is, you know, something that's high in agency is something that has a specific amount of control. Like, so if you think about a terrorist, you're like, they are specifically trying to kill us. Uh, there is a human being or a person or like whatever. Somebody that is coming after us has a motive in mind and wants to hurt us. Uh, so things that have less agency, and in this case, case, a virus may be that because it's a little bit more random, right? It's not like it is, of course, trying hmm. to hurt you in, in a sense, but it, maybe he's just kind of floating around and then it lands on you and then it like goes yeah. into your system. And they almost, and like, I, I think conservative people would try, try to almost make it have agency by being like, it's the China virus. Well, like trying to place may, agency Maybe that's on not it. agency in the same way. That's like okay. finding blame. So a couple other okay. traits that this study found was that conservatives tend to see free will as the primary driver of outcomes in life. Whereas liberal liberals are more accepting of the idea of randomness. Uh, Whoa, that's so like yeah. Compared to liberals, conservatives tend to attribute outcomes to purposeful actions, and so I think the inverse of that is that liberals are a little more able to see that there's not always like a, a through line to something, or mm. or believe that there's not always a through line, uh, and they're more likely to blame any negative outcomes in their lives on these more agent agentic policymakers or fellow Americans rather than the virus itself in the case of the pandemic. Wait, so what does that mean? So for example, when it comes to the pandemic, you have things like policymakers. Why am I saying that so weird? Policymakers. 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 You have the American public. We're always hearing about, you know, and like say any country. Let's just not even say America. You're talking about different people's views and people taking certain actions. Some people going to clubs. Some people being indoors for months on end. Uh, you have media organizations. You have your neighbors. And so comparatively, all those different things have agency and they have motivations compared to a virus that has seemingly is unobservable by the naked eye and has much less agency. Huh. So, you know, you could think, oh, these po politicians have motivations to do certain things. These different countries have different motivations. That's agency. The virus is not, to me, something that's trying to accomplish something. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm like, well, it's trying to survive, which is kind sure, of interesting. Exactly. It, like there definitely is a level. And I obviously it's not saying that conservatives deny the science of it. It's just on the surface, obviously, how we see things. But it, it shows you how science can help you understand that, like, you know, in there is like a bit theory, of there is a bit of agency <laughs> to the virus. Um, so what has been suggested based off of these sort of surveys and studies is that instead of using statistics, policymakers and health policymakers and health officials should start talking about the virus in, in terms that make it sound more threatening. Not like scary, but oh, make it wow. sound like it has a motivation. So wow. this, is a, this is a direct quote from one of the authors of this paper. They said, if they talk about the virus as having a motive, as being a palpable enemy that is seeking to attack humans, maybe you get a greater buy-in from the start on the part of conservatives. We also show in our research that liberals are not driven away by doing this, so it seems like a good move. Because obviously mm. the concern would be like, oh, maybe when that kind of conversation of like this evil virus is trying to take over us, it's infiltrating our lives, we have to stand up against it. You'd be afraid, does that turn off some people? But 
the research found that it doesn't and that that would oh be my god tweet better. that tweet that like instagram <laughs> that instagram real that so that's such an interesting takeaway from like a very like philosophical sort of frilly like concept i was like oh this is also interesting to me and to the listeners but it really like is exciting to think that there is a takeaway which sounds really weird and feels wrong. It feels wrong to me and it's it feels very American in some ways where a lot of things get positioned like that where I don't feel like why are we talking about a thing like it yeah. has autonomy but I can actually see like that is the way Americans <clears throat> talk about other problems in the world. And yeah. and I don't just mean Americans but it is like as Americans we have to stand up against this tyranny or against these terrorists and and well, it's an American ideology that bleeds throughout the world. Like, it's not an American-only ideology. Oh, of course not, yeah. But I think it's very rampant there in America as a powerful country. It's, like, the leader of that thought Well, because process. I think for them it also brings together this idea of patriotism, which it can in any country. I think that mm-hmm. is how countries kind of rally, for good or for bad, is the fear of something, right? Yeah. So even thinking of, like, world leaders who have not been particularly good or who have been authoritarian, they're often creating a threat that has autonomy they're not just saying oh it's this nuanced complicated factor that you know the way that money is structured it's like no it's that person's fault because they want to kill you that's so interesting because i i just think that that like science in and of itself is about thinking critically and sort of understanding that everything has nuance and like even when you think about misinformation online it's like you have you have to, if you hear something, especially scientific, that seems too good to be true or too like specific or on the nose, that's when, at least for me, I go, okay, let's double check that. Let's find the reason. Like I'm always looking for nuance, but it's like with what's happening in America and with what's happening with this virus and this like patriotism and stuff, it's like, instead of trying to like force people to look at the world the way you do, which, or I do, which is like nuance and science and things like that. Why not just make it more black and white for now? If it's not hurting necessarily anyone, I like, I mean, I'm sure there's a way that we could probably contextualize it. And I'm sure academics could study the damage of this thought process, but initially just like my surface view, I'm like, that's really interesting and might be a really smart tactic uh, if you, if I was like in the White House with Joe Biden, I'd be like, uh, this might sound weird, but maybe if you do this, <laughs> right, you it might... might bring on people who would otherwise think. Because Donald like... Trump and conservatives never, they don't, they haven't done that. They haven't, at least not very strongly. I think yeah. that probably has been some of the messaging at some points. I, I feel like I have kind but, of, but heard they're a just bit like a language. mess right now. Like Donald Trump's yeah. a mess. Like he doesn't have, like I could see another more intelligent leader with a conservative ideology, maybe utilizing that to keep people safe. Because I actually think there's another layer that is that there is no, how do I say this? The shift of balance between us and a virus is what it is. And there's not really a stake to gain politically. Obviously there is, but what do you mean? So what I'm trying to say, and I'll see if I can articulate it well, is like when you ostracize an actual group of people in society, which, which happens. And even under the Trump administration, it's like immigrants are the problem. They're trying to break into our country and steal your jobs and make our country bad. That's the kind of language that gets used because that actually rallies a subgroup of Americans. If you, I think there's like a disadvantage in a politician's mind to rally the entire country around an entire issue. So going against a virus and trying to be like, we're all against this virus, like maybe it could work, but I can feel like there's not the same like political gain 
Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just I don't like know. saying something No, out that's interesting. Like, there's less polarization, which is like helpful, I think, for someone like Donald Trump. It's interesting Trump. that they didn't go in that route, and I don't know. I'm not really sure. Well, I more just think it's kind of mind-blowing. It's like a thing to think about and a thing for politicians and all of us to, to think be aware about. about. How do we yeah. talk about it? I remember hearing scientists at the beginning really being like, we have to respect this virus because the actual understanding of where it came from and the fact that it kind of is just trying to live is going to help us understand evolution and nature so that it doesn't happen again. Like we need to respect nature, which at the time made sense to me, but I didn't ever, I remember like sort of like tweeting it, like talking about it with a few friends and like, it didn't catch on. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't think that narrative, I thought maybe in the early stages, that is a very that's going to be a narrative pervasive view. I think. But it's like, but even as someone who thinks about and reads about science all the time, I haven't found that talking point coming back into my ideology. Like I kind yeah. of, like I let it sit with me for a week and then I was kind of like, well, actually, I don't know. It just didn't, it wasn't, it didn't stick. So I'm like, okay, if that wasn't, if I never found that to be that important of a thought process, this is sort of the flip side of it, which is like, why don't we treat it as an enemy to try and rally these people who are really, um, likely being a big issue for why America is suffering so deeply on a world scale right now from this virus. I, I I just I'm having a hard time and actually hashtag side note podcast please let us know what you think about this what are the downsides of this currently because I even think your political thing was interesting but I'm like I don't know like why not rally everyone behind something uh-huh. doesn't that seem net positive for like polling or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess yeah it's no, so uh, interesting I guess if your belief on different political enemy. issues is that you wouldn't want to shut down, that's what the... I think this is also specifically even for mm-hmm. scientists and people who are trying to communicate the yeah. urgency of, this is serious. Like, even, like, Dr. Fauci, you know, using that kind of language to say, like, we have to rally because this virus is trying to take over our cities. I don't know. But that's you're right. There's so something weird about it that feels almost like... Like, it seems, it seems scare tactic yeah. and like, but then it's like, but what we can only look back in history from the future with a perspective. Like we're living through it. So what, like we know things are bad right now because people are ignoring it. They're saying it's fake. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it is more conservative minded people don't want their lives to be regulated by the government. So in order to fix what's going on, you have to regulate people's lives from the government. So maybe if the government says it's the evil virus, if that helps, Oh my god! I've really like really I really find this interesting. Yeah, me too. I'm I don't know actually... why that just made me think of like the regulation. I saw some like funny subtweet today that was some person on Twitter being like, "Well, there's like HIV and uh, all these different viruses. Like we don't wear masks for them. Like why should we like be controlled by our government?" And someone like retweeted it and was like, uh, "Those are called condoms. Like they're literally dick masks." I was a, I was literally like, "What about the freaking things we put on our schlong and a dong yeah, before we exactly. have sex?" <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to like say? No, I, I think really think that's fascinating, and I, I really just want to think about that more. And like, I want like an academic to like release a book uh-huh. or something on because obviously it feels extreme to force that narrative because it feels scary. It feels and you're wrong. right. It's like we're not sure where that leads. But to me, at least a virus is just this thing that's not human. It's also not like an animal that we're against it's just like i'm i'm fine if we're all against the virus 
Oh yeah, I mean, some people say it's not even living. You know what I mean? Like exactly. it's like my definition. So huh. we should all rally behind it and be like, we're here to defeat it. We're gonna come together and stop this thing that's that trying is so, to kill I us. I can't stop thinking about how interesting this is because so much of the issue I find from people, even like you, you know, the more conservative ideological people come out of the woodwork in your life with this virus. You get to see where people land, and really, what they're doing is to make it way more simple than it is. They're going, Oh, it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. And then I find myself trying to like kind of use scare tactics mm-hmm. to be like, well, I don't know. Like I've like yesterday, someone told me about their 25 year old friend who got it was fine, but he was a runner and now he has long COVID and he can't run because he has respiratory issues. It's like, that's the story I tell people to try and keep people to be like, in, it's serious. Just because yeah. you don't die doesn't mean you aren't affected for life. If Which is it. true. And I'm like, I'm resorting to scare yeah. tactics to try and help some of my more conservative leaning friends to get behind something. So I'm already doing the thing. It's like a version of being like the virus is scary. Okay. Into this. <laughs> wow. That's fascinating. I'm okay. curious about other people think yeah. what kind of, yeah. What, how we obviously, there's going to be a lot of learnings from this in terms of how to communicate and like you said, it's not always finding a message that works for everyone. It's meeting people where they need to be met yeah. and the kinds of ways that they perceive the world. And that is a challenge, I think, not only as a science communicator, but as scientists, as policymakers, as communicators of these kinds of things. How do you create messaging that works for a broad <laughs> swath of people or different messaging networks? Subscribe to ASAP Science on YouTube where our next video is going to be like the evil, scary <laughs> virus. That's I mean, every it's time I draw, for you. every time I draw the virus for ASAP Science, I put the quintessential evil eyebrows. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing it from the get go. Evil. It wants to destroy us all. It's trying to take out humanity. Yeah, and like, what's the other way of thinking? Like, oh, it's a cute. It's just trying to survive. It's like, no, give me a virus. I want to like, I want to literally get rid of this virus. Like, I'm actually do not care. I'm sorry. Like, I'm all for not eating animals, but I, I would eat this virus up. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, hashtag side note podcast if you want to tell us what you think about things. Otherwise, um, we will see you next week. Anything else you want to add, Greg? Um, no, but I love you. Thanks for listening. I hate baby language. Stop it. Everyone hates it. Uh, I kind (laughs) of say it all the time and I need to go get help. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.